0: Welcome to Forcing Function Hour, a conversation series exploring the boundaries of peak performance. Join me, Chris Sparks, as I interview elite performers to reveal principles, systems, and strategies for achieving a competitive edge in business. If you are an executive or investor ready to take yourself to the next level, download my workbook at experimentwithoutlimits.com. For all episodes and show notes, go to forcingfunctionhour.com. to Lunch Hour. This is the 12th edition of our conversation series exploring the boundaries of high performance. My name is Chris Sparks. I'm the founder of The Forcing Function and I'm your host for today. Now Kay is my co-host for today and is someone who I admire a great deal. Kay ex- escaped the finance world after 15 years to write and to start RadReads, community exploring our relationships with time, work, money, and ourselves. If you're if you weren't here for lunch hour number three, systems for living the good life, I got to say you really missed out. So highly recommend checking out that full recording on YouTube. That was an incredible conversation that we, we asked the deep questions of why we're here and how can we use the pursuit of productivity to surface and remind ourselves of the things that really matter, that productivity is instrumental, not terminal. Now, Kay's course, Supercharge Your Productivity, if I'm understanding right, Kay, today is the last day to sign up. So I'm a proud member of the last cohort. This course has been paying so many dividends for me. We've moved everything off um, Google Docs and all these other tools to Notion using these simple templates for SOPs, for dashboards, for client-facing worksheets. Uh, Kay teaches you how to use Notion as an interface to discover and elevate what is truly important in your life. We'll drop that link in the chat. Highly recommend checking it out. It's made a huge impact here at Forcing Function. And just for being here as a thank you, everyone who's registered, everyone who's attending, we're going to send you out via email, Kay's Notion GTD template. Which he's going to be going over today. This is a $99 value, and you're going to get access to that for free just for being here and showing your beautiful face. Now, enrollment for that next cohort of Supercharger Productivity closes in a few hours. So, you know, really recommend you check that out if you're listening now. Today's topic the modern approach to getting things done. I'm asked all the time what productivity book should I read? I'm looking to improve. You know, what, what should I read? The answer is always the same. Getting Things Done by David Allen. This is the all-time classic. You you wanna talk about Lindy. This book has been around for 20 years and every time I pick it up, I learn something new. The central philosophy of GTD is a simple yet powerful red pill. Your brain is a poor storage device. Your mind is for having ideas, not holding them. Now, while these GTD principles are timeless, I said 20 years have passed since this book came out and obviously the world of work has changed dramatically. Maybe we still spend too much time in our inboxes, but everything has shifted from local and paper-based to remote and fully digitized. And so this new world calls for a modern approach using our modern tools. Now today, Kay is giving us a walkthrough how to implement these key principles from GTD in a way that fits with our current tools and systems and is also easy to maintain. And Kate calls this unlocking the cheat codes of productivity. And I really believe that is like, if you figure out a way to include these principles in your current way of being, it will feel like you've unlocked these cheat codes. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Always great to see you. Honored to have you really excited to dig in today. Thank you for having me. And
1: uh, thank you Tasha for helping coordinate and to the lovely 33 participants that are here. It's, um, I have utmost respect for for <clears throat> Chris's work, his ethos, how he glides through the world. And so to be able to spend some time with you all is a, is a real honor. And I see a lot of friendly, familiar faces here too. So I've been saying that with all these Zooms and, and, and presentations, it's kind of like running into people in the hallways. You're like, oh, like, hey, Eric, Araminta, like, I saw you on Dickie Bush's thing, you know, two weeks ago. It's it's really really fun.
0: I love that. Yeah, this is this is a great unconference. Let's say this is the. Uh, it feels kind of like the breakfast before everything is uh, started, but you know, no oh. one no one actually goes to the the panel. We kind of stick around and continue the conversation. So. Let, let's, let's kick things off for those who are less familiar with GTD or maybe less successful in implementing. You know, why is GTD so popular? Of all the systems, you know, why is the why is GTD the one you chose to implement yourself?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And it it takes me back to God, you know, I'm gonna date myself. I'm I'm 41 and a half. My my half birthday is MLK Day. And in 2003 or 2004, I walked to a Barnes and Nobles and paid cash uh, for the hard copy uh, of the book. And right away, I, as I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is not fair. Right. Because I, I would just look around, I was on Wall Street and I would see people that had like, they would write things on their hands and email themselves file like messages and put tasks on their calendar and I was like that looks really really stressful and 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 very um, dangerous, right? Uh, and and so as I read this book, I was like, wow, there's this really simple but nuanced system, right? That that was tool that is tool agnostic that allowed you to really just stop worrying, and execute. And then as, as you got better with the system, then it was the right tasks would always find you at the right moment. So it was freedom, it was focus, and it was like targeted execution. And I was like, wow, in a book. I think that was what blew me away, was that it wasn't an app. It wasn't a spreadsheet, it was a book. And it was a set of principles that were actually—they're um, not easy, but they weren't difficult. But they were able—you were able to internalize them, and that just—you know—set me set me up to uh, really just thrive professionally, do it in a way with ease versus struggle, um, and to really let me focus on the things that really matter.
0: I love it. Should we uh, should we jump into the presentation? I yeah. Know, let's. Uh... I love being able to just kick back and, and learn today. This is cool.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. And so there's some natural breakpoints in this presentation. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be rad. Uh, I'm not talking at you. We're, we're learning together. And so um, let's do this. I'm going to fire up my screen share and not forget to share the sound. So I'm going to start us off just with a brief little video, uh, and then we'll dive into the presentation. All right, here we go. So you, you will recall Beth Harmon, the chess prodigy, a little bit like Chris, the poker prodigy. Uh, and Beth has this special ability to take some pills and hallucinate every permutation of a chessboard on top of her ceiling. Um, which makes her, which turns this, you know, shy orphan into a world uh, chess master. And so, what a great show. I'm going to pause with Beth. Sorry, I'm going to pause with Beth, and then I'm going to jump into our presentation. All right. Now, so by the way, uh, I can't see the panel, so if if there's any AV issues, just... um, Call me out on audio, Chris or Tasha. So what you're, is that- hard-
0: You're good, we're not seeing the uh, the, the, the slides though, if you've- if Oh, you've you're not seeing out. the slides.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, I think my screen share
1: ended, hold on. Zoom, ah, it ended my screen share. Okay. Well, you're good.
0: How about that, okay. All right,
1: a modern approach to GTD. So the bad news is we are not Beth Harmon. We are not Chris Sparks with, uh, you know, the poker uh, skills. And um, if you think about the game of chess, after three moves, there's 121 million board permutations. We can't take a pill and remember all of those like Beth Harmon does. So what are, what are us mere mortals meant to do? Because we do have a lot of stuff going on in our lives that we want to be able to remember and execute on and strategize on. So first, I want to thank you all. Um, the reason why the company is called Rad is because, you know, according to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, to be Rad is to be effortlessly cool. And every single one of you, including Chris and Tasha and the 34 uh, attendees, um, are effortlessly cool. So I'm just so honored to have you here. And the creator of Rad Reads .co and our learning platform the 10k institute and it's all about dre- designing your dream life on your own terms something that GTD really enabled me to do and i love teaching i love these opportunities to share things that i'm passionate about with people whom i respect with folks who are eager to learn so there's just tons of um events that we're always doing learning events that we're always always doing for free and the tiny little one tiny little sliver of events that are paid like our course that's coming up so I wanted to share with you my GTD journey. So graduated college in 2001 as a nerdy computer science major, Uh, stumbled upon this book in 2003 when I was working on Wall Street. I then went out and required my analysts to read the book. I taught them how to use OmniFocus to implement it and then went out to do lunch and learns like this with other heads of Wall Street groups to teach them how to use GTD. If you know me, once I find something that I'm into, I am the biggest evangelist of that uh, system or tool. That helped me in 2009 become one of the youngest managing directors at BlackRock, and I do believe, you know, uh, because of the $10,000 work, the high leverage strategies of teaching my team how to use GTD, that was a contributor to that um, career path. And then those of you know my story, I walked away from it all um, with a couple of years, um, 18 months of savings and moved to the beach to surf and to run Rad Reads. So like I say, I went from the boardroom to the beach. Um, my shoulder is hurting now, so I haven't surfed in like six days, but I've surfed 400 days since we moved here two years ago. Um, So today we're gonna dive into GTD. We're gonna use a tool agnostic example. That's what's so powerful about GTD. You can do it, David Allen talks about it using hanging files and pieces of paper. We can do the bang out, no code notion setup and everything in between. That's what's so cool about it. And as Chris said, um, we'll give you that access to that template at the end of the, uh, in email. So David Allen's promise to us is mine like water. Fun fact of David Allen. He takes, I think, a handful of consulting clients a year, and the price is $125,000. The first exercise he has you do is he gives you a blank piece of paper, and he says, take every open loop in your head, every thought, idea, fragment, task, uh, note that is hanging in your head, and just write it down. So $125,000, and the first couple hours, are you just downloading your thoughts onto a piece of paper? Must be nice to be David Allen. So, his promise to us is mind like water. But in my experience and in Chris's experience, when we work with executives and high performers, we see more like mind like fire, mind like spaghetti, or mind like restless anxiety that keeps you up, tossing and turning, wondering what you need to do in, in your task list. And so, what's missing here, right? We are trying to do the Beth Harmon move without the pills. And GTD is the missing link. So I call this, jokingly call this the OS, the, um, the 10K flywheel. And this is why Chris and I really bond uh, in, in our philosophies. Because we actually don't spend so much time on the tools themselves. I remember when I interviewed Chris on, on or we spoke on some panel, and I was like, what's your secret Uh, tool, your secret app. And he had to think about it for a little while. And he said, Google Docs. For anyone who is waiting for some some unique insight, the the peak productivity coach himself, the, the best thing he could offer you was Google Docs, not because he doesn't know what he's talking about. On the contrary, because he knows what he's talking about. And he knows that The tool is not going to solve your problem. It's not. It's the last mile, but it's not the thing that that, that gives you that leverage, that clears the Pareto principle, the 80-20. And what's required is self-awareness, right? That was like our last talk and required behavior change. And then the tool is the gasoline on top of these things. I love to dwell on this slide because it's the reason why people buy a Peloton and don't use it. Because they haven't supported their habit to work out. And they're not even sure if they're buying it as a flex, as a motivational tool, or to get fit, or to live longer, or to reduce their blood pressure. Because if they, if they thought about all those things, they might actually get higher leverage from sleeping a little bit more, eating better, and just going uh, on a long walk every day, if that was the, the desired outcome. And so when you put these three together, yeah, Peloton's phenomenal but it doesn't work by itself in isolation without these three components. And this is why most people don't um, last with GTD is that they focus just on the tool or the system. So here are the five steps to GTD. And in this modern approach, I think I really wanna uh, zoom in on three of the five steps and I'm gonna take natural, there's a natural um, uh, question spot after um, clarify. And then after organize and after reflect. So we'll take some questions there. We'll try to keep the questions to those sections and then we'll open it to to anything you want to talk about. So let's start with capture. We've got our friend here. Her name is intentional Ingrid. And uh, as she's um, walking her morning commute, I guess it would be from her living room, from her bedroom to her living room these days, she's like, I got to pick up toilet paper, email the client report, and get the oil change for the car. Okay. She's then in that boring Monday morning all-hands meeting on Zoom, and she's thinking about her uh, other things she needs to do, book the flight for vacation, schedule the one-on-one with her colleague, and wish grandpa a happy birthday. Takes a little break, goes to the gym, submit the homeschool homework, make IRA contribution, and change the smoke alarm. It is barely 1 p.m., and she has already nine disparate random thoughts across all dimensions of her life. Swirling around in her head. And again, she doesn't have the Beth Harmon pills to make them just lock and load it for when she needs them. So what does she do? Where do all these ideas go? Well, before GTD, they would end up here, ranging from a sticky note to an email to yourself to writing it on your arm. I actually Googled that picture. I Googled Task Manager Tattoo, and that's what came up on Google. Um, and as Chris said, David Allen famously said, your mind is made for having ideas, not holding them. I mean, think about the, think about the cognitive load of just those nine tasks, which we all can relate to. We all got to change the smoke alarm. Think about that cognitive load uh, and where it's all going to go and live. So in the chat, I'd love for you to just drop in where, how do you deal with the cognitive load? Are you more of a self-emailer? Uh, are you a sticky note um, guy or gal? Or um, hopefully you don't have the arm tattoo. So that's step one, capture, right? And so this is, um, this is a really, really important step. A lot of people know this step. But the point here is that the minute that thought crosses your mind, call grandpa to wish him a happy birthday as long as you hold it in there, you're paying a price. You're paying a price in the form of anxiety. You're paying a po- price in the form of distraction. You're paying, you're paying a little price. And you multiply that by the hundred things that are peppering us each day, there's a huge cost to that. And so what, what GTD does is it uses this inbox concept that just says the second that idea comes, get it out of your head. Don't do anything with it other than get it out of your head and make make yourself feel safe right the reason you're on this call is cuz you all have racing minds you're creative you're doing incredible stuff and you don't want to lose those gems of insight and so immediately get it out of your head into your capture inbox now what is the capture inbox so we could talk about that i would recommend that you not do the mishmash of nine capture tools because that's another tax. Did I put it on the post-it note or did I email it to myself? Did I put it on my calendar or is it in my Apple reminders, right? Those are all costs as well. And so I would encourage you, if you're getting started with GTD, to pick two capture tools and stick with them. One, and one will probably something be analog and the other will, pro- will be digital. Right, Digital, you always have on you, but the fastest capture tool is a pen and a piece of paper. And so think about how you orchestrate your day, how, what works for you, and, and pick these two uh, capture tools. Again, this is tool agnostic. I'm not going to sit here and tell you to use OmniFocus over Todoist. Uh, that's going to be based on your, your preferences your uh, and your desired outcomes. And as a bonus, I would say, if you want to do ninja stuff, Voice is an incredible, incredible capture tool, especially with all our wearables. I'm all day. Siri, remind me this. Siri, remind me this. Siri, remind me this. That's my capture device, is Siri through my watch. So let's look at it as a spreadsheet, right? Because I love how this is tool agnostic. These were Ingrid's nine tasks. And she just, as she's capturing them, she's just dropping them into. Uh, into this spreadsheet. Maybe she has it tabbed as a favorite on her browser. It's her homepage. And it's that simple, right? It's not some crazy Notion banged up setup. It's a freaking spreadsheet. So she's capturing it as a spreadsheet. And this leads to a very natural question, which is where people start to get screwed up with GTD. And this is where the modern approach to GTD comes in. Because when David Allen wrote GTD, we didn't get, Twitter didn't exist. The iPhone didn't exist. Um, BlackBerry probably didn't even exist in 2003, it, it, ubiquitously. Uh, so what about email, right? And, and this is really, really important. I'm going to show you three emails that are really stressful. The first one is from my consultant, my SEO consultant. And he gives this long like email. And there's all these things to do. And there's four tasks that need to happen. You know, define categories, tag this, blah, blah, blah. Okay. There's one that's even more annoying than this one. It's from my accountant. I need this pay stub, this, that, this estimated income, this brokerage file. Did you sell any X? These are not emails. They are tasks delivered in the vessel of email. And so what you would do here is how many of you use tasks? I mean, drop it into tasks. How many of you use email as a form of task management? It might not be your only form management, but you would probably have this projection email just hanging in there for nine days until you finally had the time to gather that paste of and scan this stupid 1099 form that's, you know, somewhere in your house. Those are not emails. Those are tasks. So in the spirit of capture, what you would do is immediately take these tasks into your capture inbox and archive the email. That is a critical step that most people fail to do on GTD, and they immediately get tripped up. I'm going to show you one more email. This is the worst. It's the best and the worst. The best of times, the worst of times. Hey, I'm going to Bali once they lift COVID. You went. Where should I stay? What should I eat? What should I do? I would call this the email from Jim. I love this email because I want to support Jim and I love Bali and I have tons of thoughts on Bali, but I hate Jim because he sent me a five second email that costs me 20 minutes of work. The asymmetry of that is gnarly. Um, this is not an email. This is a task. By the way, it's a very low priority task that you could spend weeks uh, working on delaying to respond to, but if you leave it in your email every single day, it's like, "Hi, I'm annoying. You can't let go of me. I'm fucking with your head right now." And you start to actually resent Jim for for nothing. He didn't do anything wrong, uh, but because that process, you're holding that email, that cognitive load, you start to resent Jim. What a shame! What a travesty! Jim is your Jim is your homie. And so this is one of the behavior change. You have to extract tasks out of your email, out of your Slack, because the whole point is to lessen the cognitive load. So that is the capture step. I'm going to fly through the clarify step because it's it's a little bit, um, it's pretty obvious. But the clarify step is basically um, at the end of the day, this is the next behavior change. So you're capturing throughout the day, the end of the day, you need to basically clean out your inbox. You need to get to task inbox zero. So we made a trade-off, right? The trade-off was we would just dump these things in a holding pattern to stop stressing about them. But at at some point, you have to pay the piper. And so you pay the piper at the end of the day by organizing your inbox. A lot of people don't like this because it does add another step to the process, but... It is worth it. I promise you it is worth it, or else you got these hanging chads like call grandpa and reply to Jim throughout your life. So here's our task list. I added a few more. There's Jim number 17. And again, we're all in Excel and sheets. So you triage, you process what you've captured, you define the task, and you identify if it's still relevant. We try to be precise, start tasks with verbs, not mom or taxes but call mom or look up this document for my taxes or read this. And try to aim for a 25 minute maximum tax length, again, kind of anchored to a Pomodoro. So here's how we triage your tasks. You'll either d- delete them, you'll defer most of them. And we'll talk about this two minute rule, another thing that trips people up in GTD. Uh, you either defer them or you delegate them if you have a, a, a series of team, a team. So is it still relevant right ingrid probably just remembered to call grandpa pick up toilet paper on her walk home and so she just crosses them out nothing else nothing left to do it was just a holding pattern and it worked two minute rule as she's going through these like is there anything i can do that takes 2 minutes email client report schedule one on one does that no no need to like process those crosses those out delegate assigned to VA, crosses that out, and is the task well specified, right? So book vacation flight is actually takes longer than 25 minutes. So she would split that into two uh, tasks. Same with Send 2020 tax projections. That's way more than 25 minutes. So she would split that out into two tasks as well. And so that is the end of the clarify stage where you have a well-specified set of tasks that are still relevant and they then need to go to their final home, their their, their landing destination. So natural breakpoint. Chris, Tasha, um, any questions, uh, any remarks?
0: Sure, Who's I'll, I'll hop in, in? and... Um, everyone's welcome to ask questions via the Q and a feature. So, you know, go ahead and do so. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about relevance and tasks being specified. Um, I, I would, I would love, even if it's just, uh, you know, what comes to mind from the top of your head, you know, how, how will you know if a task is relevant? How will you know if it's specific enough to be actionable? Do you have any rules of thumb that you like? Mm. Well, uh,
1: relevant. So, um, let me start with wall specified. Wall specified, um, is always using a verb because there's an action to, to center you look up, read, call content, think about, um, that would be the the first one. The, the second is to, um, to have some kind of, um, time limit, right? Like not have these open ended Parkinson's law uh, type tasks. So, you know, instead of, of something like work on marketing presentation, right? That's so nebulous. It could be uh, create outline for presentation or write section one of marketing presentation. Uh, and so that's how, how I would think about well, um, well specified. Uh, in terms of relevance, I mean, the, the good thing about GTD, as we're going to get to, is that the, the relevance in the example that I get, just give is like, is it, is it relevant? It's like, because did I do it already? Uh, you know, have I done it yet? I think the cool thing about GTD is that even if something is like a bucket list item, like you might have just spurred a random thought, you know, seeing you reminded me that you use Google uh, search for OCR, uh, like Google search you searches your handwritten notes. So that just prompted a thought in me that said, you know, think about if uh, think about a process for scanning my notes, like my paper notes, right? You rem- you prompted that reminder, so I might drop that into my capture inbox. Is it relevant? Not really, in the sense that like I may never actually want to do that. But it is; it does fall into that category of like, I don't want to not think about it, right? And so I think you have, a, you, to answer your question specifically, you have a lot of leeway on relevance in GTD because you don't need to do the thing. And you definitely don't need to do it in the moment. And you might never need to do it. Uh, but you still know that it's available to you.
0: Cool. Yeah. I, I like that the this is a good this is a natural stopping point because I, I say often is optimizing for capture. The first thing before you can do anything is you got to get it out of your head. And you know, ideally, like you said, it's only two places, probably one digital, one analog. But the second is you have to go through and process those. So I thought about it as a sweep, be like where are all these places that these things could be captured and needing to make some sort of decision about it. Right. Is it something I do now? Is it something I defer to later? Is it something I delegate? And it strikes me that the using the inbox as a task manager, this snoozing of things and keep keeping getting reminding them of them, is is just symptomatic of our reluctance to make decisions about what we want to do. Um, is is that in line with with your observations? Yeah, it's. I think it's even more. Um,
1: it, it, it's even more uh, animalistic, <laughs> if that's the word. Meaning that it's not even making the decision, but it's other people making the decision for us, right? Uh, like if you run your task out of email, that means that your pri- your day is defined by other people's priorities. Full stop. Uh, so I think that the this like... It's kind of a speed bump, right? Where it kind of slows things down. And then you can you stop being reactive, right? The number one reason why people come to me for coaching or for my courses, like I live my life in React mode. And the reason why is because we're just bombarded with inputs like Jim's email and our brains. Are not like if you see Jim's email every day, you know, it's worthless in terms of like advancing your life dreams, but it still stresses you out every time you see it. And so you're going to say, you know, productivity is a form of escapism. It's a form of of pain management. You're going to say, I'm so sick of the stress of Jim's email nagging me, needling me every freaking morning. I'm going to just respond to it on a Monday morning just because you're frustrated, when really what you should have been doing is mapping out the week's game plan for your direct reports. Fuck Jim in that moment. In that moment, not for life, just in that moment. And GTD gives you the apparatus to make those decisions, to honor Jim while reminding yourself that managing your direct reports is infinitely more important.
0: Oh man, I love that so much. Uh, I mean, two things I just want to to underline. Uh, first, yeah, this this notion of taking control of being active versus reactive, and that the tendency is just to do whatever is screaming at us the most, and realizing that we are in control of what do we get reminded about of our we are in control of these inputs. And I often wonder, something I've observed is the longer I can get someone to put off checking their email, it's like every extra hour that they check it later is like an extra hour of productivity, that that checking email in the morning is negatively correlated with getting things done. And I think you hit the nail on the head is that email represents other people's priorities and it's easy to substitute those for our own priorities which goes along with something else that you said is the busier that you are, the more things you have coming at you, the less time you should actually spend doing and more Mm -hmm. time thinking about what should be done, that that becomes higher leverage, the more things that are on your menu of options. absolutely. So well said.
1: And I really encourage all of you, um, people push back on this idea, but I, so I, um, I don't have email on my phone. Um, but I think that's a little aggressive because yeah, I work, I'm my own boss, but I encourage every single one of you to close your email windows and your chat and your Slack windows and to do work. And the first thing people always say is like, I can't do that. My boss is you know, going to email me and going to expect this or that. And what I always say is like, think about a time in your work where you were physically unable to check your phone. You could have been giving a presentation. You could have been in some really important meeting where it would be rude to even have it, you know, you know guns drawn on the desk type situation. You just, you had to keep your email in, 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 your, uh, in your pocket. How long was that meeting? 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. You went to the dentist in the middle of the day. Did you get in trouble for being out of not responding for an hour? No, probably not. Whatever that is, if you're more junior in your career, maybe it's 20 minutes, five minutes, maybe. If you're more senior, if you're a manager, it's probably like two, three hours. Do that, close your email for that period and do work. It's amazing how much work you can get done with your chat windows closed.
0: It's like cheating, actually. (laughs) And the only way to discover it is through experience. You have, to mm-hmm. be, you have to be willing to experiment. And by the notion of experiment, sometimes it's going to work and you're gonna change everything. And sometimes you're back where you started, but you, you mm. usually have nothing to lose. Totally. Um, I think the questions I see, I, I think you're going to get to as we get into okay. projects versus tasks. So let, let's okay. continue and I'll ask this after the next section. Awesome, awesome. So,
1: organize. So, now we've got this inbox, a nicely triaged and pruned inbox that needs to, the tasks need to end up in their um, ultimate destination. And this is where GTD differs from traditional task management, right? Traditional task management, you have a series of lists, home, work, kids, you know, project X. And as soon as you have the task, you go in and you find the list and you put it on the list and you might add a due date and so on. What GTD does is it separates those two, right? We talked about the capture, but then we come, you know, you have to pay the piper. You're you for that mind space that you freed up. You have to do a little bit of delayed work to put the tasks in the right list and assign the right metadata to them. So let's see what that looks like, right? So you have this uh, list of tasks again in a Google Sheet, and then we have two sets of concepts: there are areas and projects. And um, areas is a Tiago terminology: areas of responsibility. Um, some people call it horizons of focus. I've been think I've been calling them domains uh, in my course. Um, Austin, August Bradley calls them um, pillars, I believe. Uh, but, but let's talk about the difference between these two, because um, again, this is completely tool agnostic. It is around the self-awareness piece, which is how do you define your project list or the, the groupings of tasks? So projects and areas, you'll have two types of lists. Projects have a deliverable and a due date. And areas have an ongoing and minimum standard. So a project might be launch my notion course and an area. What has an ongoing and minimum standard is um, take care of my health, right? There's no end date to taking care of my health, but there are a lot of tasks that are related to that. Be it scheduling a physical buying multivitamins or completely altering my sleep schedule. So That is the starting point. Again, this is a specification question, right? It's nothing to do with tools. Uh, And so are your project and areas lists well specified? So the first, if you're new to this all, the first would be to actually cleave off things that end and things that don't end. And the things that don't end are quite familiar to us, right? Our relationships, our health, our money. Um, our skills, things we're try- like self-improvement, things that we're trying to better ourselves in. So let's give two little examples. Projects, what am I working on? Remember, due date and deliverable. Plan summer vacation. What is the due date? The due date is the moment you step into the Uber to get you to the airport, right? What is the deliverable? A Series of flights, car rentals, hotel rentals, dinner reservations, packed bags, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Train for a 10K, right? Deliverable is run the race. Due date is the day of the race. Once it's done, it's over. You actually delete the project or you archive the project. So those are projects. And that's the way most of us think about lists. Um, Then there's areas of responsibility. What always matters? What requires this maintenance of a standard? So we talked about health finances. Um, Those are some obvious ones. But here's another one, right? Key relationships. I would encourage you to have a list for all of your key relationships. Your life partners, your kids, maybe you can aggregate your kids in one, you know, into one list, your direct reports, your boss, right? Because again, they are going to have tasks that are assigned to them, right? With my kid, with, with my, on my kid's list, like she wants to learn French. And she wants to go rock climbing once the gyms reopen in LA, right? So those are tasks um, and they go under the list kids and that list kids never ends because I will always have some standard of responsibility towards my kids. And then there's things like things that you own, like your home, your car, maybe you could group them together, but home, you know, being an obvious one, changing the fire alarm, Um, fixing the roof, uh, updating my contract with waste management, you know, getting a compost set up, right? These are all tasks that are related to my home. And again, my home will never be something I don't need to maintain. So that's the first bifurcation. And so once you've specified these projects and these areas, then what you do is you clear your inbox by moving tasks out of your inbox and assigning them to an area, a specific area or a specific project, right? Again, this is the differentiated step between traditional task management where it would go straight to um, the the ending destination, which is just time consuming. And when your mind's rattling at the gym, you don't have the time to say, okay, download the K1 goes to the project on taxes. You just like get it out and let me keep working out. And then there's this concept, a little bit more inside baseball, but it's kind of like a catch-all, single action. They're kind of like one-off things that don't fit neatly into any of these, but don't overuse that list because it's very tempting. And then there's this concept in GTD called Someday Maybe, which is, you could think of it as a lightweight bucket list where you want to remember it, but there's no real actionability in the near-term future for it, right? Your mind's made for having ideas, not holding them. So we've moved things out of our capture inbox now and and they're gone, right? Once you assign it to one of those lists, it's gone. Here's where GTD becomes really powerful. And again, I really need to emphasize that there's a trade-off, right? There's a trade-off for adding that capture step. It's more time to take things in, but it's worth it. I promise you it's worth it. Now with metadata, there's a trade-off as well. You could add all the metadata in the world to every task and I'll explain <clears throat> exactly what I mean by metadata, but there's a, there's a, there's a cost to adding metadata and, but there's a benefit from adding the metadata because the more metadata you add, the more possibility you have for the right task to resurface at the right moment. And I'll, I'll explain that with some very, very specific examples. The first obvious piece of metadata is due dates. Um, And here GTD, and I feel very strongly about this as well, is very strict policy, no fake due dates. Fake due dates do not work. What do I mean by a fake due date is, um, let's say that you want to book the French lessons for your daughter, you like assign it for two weeks from today. You use a fake due date as a forcing function, no pun intended, to do something. They don't work. Our brains are way too clever for that shit. It can immediately spot fake due date. Real due date, pay your rent, pay your mortgage, file your taxes. Real due dates, um, submit that RFP. There is a a significant penalty for not doing the thing by the date. Real due date required. Only time. So you're going to see, I probably have like hundreds of tasks. I think 5% have due dates, DUE dates. <clears throat> Next context, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here. Person, place, or thing. This basically the best example for a context, you can think of a context as a, as a tag that sits above all of your projects. So person, place, or thing, let's use two examples. Person could be boss, that's a tag. And you might have like five projects at work and within those projects, a few tasks are sprinkled that require your boss's sign-off. So you might tag those prop, those items, those tasks as boss. They live in the project, but here's the beauty of it. When your boss calls unexpectedly, you just hit that tag and you're like, hey, I need to talk to you about this, 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 and this. It cuts across everything. Another great example of context, phone, person, place, or thing let's say you got a two-hour car ride. You have time to make phone calls. So you might call grandpa for a happy birthday, call your accountant, uh, and call Chris to plan the next lunch and learn. Those are all three tasks spread across various dimensions of your life, but unified by the fact that you have a two-hour car drive, so you better, well, you you shouldn't better, but if you want to use that time productively, and make phone calls, you know exactly where to go. You're not thumbing through every list that's like, which one requires a phone call? Who do I need to call? Like, no, you push a button that says phone. So those are contexts. That's a very GTD specific thing. But most task managers, Todoist has a great tagging feature. It's just a tag, right? It's using the tag appropriately. And then I want to, so now I want to talk about energy and task value, because those are, are some really, um, again, they modern approach to GTD. These are not in the book. So on this, this graph on the right is, um, is my energy map. I'm a morning person with young kids. So if there's something that requires some mental horsepower, if it doesn't get done by the yellow line, it's not happening. And so the first exercise that I want you to think about is have you actually ever defined your own energy map? I know you talk a lot about energy, uh, Chris, in your book. So just, just write out, just play with this uh, energy map. And again, if you work in a you know structured corporate environment, you're going to have less flexibility on this, but you should still have the awareness of how you roll, how your mind operates so that you can try to, to control this to the extent that's possible. So again, once you've mapped out your energy map, you could use another tag, high energy, low energy, right? So- For those people who interact with me regularly, you will never get an email from me before 3pm because I don't write emails until I'm in the red zone, unless it's like a quick scheduling thing like dial-ins and stuff like that. So I write like 50 emails in the red zone during my low energy phase, often with a drink in hand, often while I'm paying my utility bills, often while I'm, you know, uh, responding to YouTube comments. Those are all red zone tasks. Blue zone tasks, creating the outline of this presentation, right? I need to be fresh. I need to have my cup of coffee. I need to have just exercised. like, and I don't have infinite supply of that by, by definition. I actually be curious, like I've, I've read, I've heard anecdotes that we have like two to four hour productive hours, like where we can really focus per day across like mankind, uh, and so, um, you know, use that. Make sure you use your high energy tasks in that. Don't, don't respond to email when you're in that zone. So that's energy level. And then there's my favorite. Uh, this is my own, I guess I can call it proprietary framework, but uh, there's this 10K framework, which is around leverage, right? And so I assign every task 100,000 10k task value. Now it doesn't mean that the task itself is a 10k task, but sending an email to Chris about getting on this show is a $10,000 email because there's leverage in it. Right? I can create use something that I've already created to tap into a group of people that I don't have, you know, regular access to and to do it with someone who I'm, you know, who's my spirit animal. So that is a 10k task, and we could we probably should do another one just on this, Chris. Um, But you know, $10 work is kind of process oriented. I I joke you could do it hungover. Uh, $100 is actually like implementing GTD is $100 hour work, right? It's it brings leverage into your workflow, but you can't build a successful company by mastering GTD. $1,000 thousand dollar work is kind of the land of specialized knowledge. I always say it's the bankruptcy lawyer that gets, you know, charged that charges thousand dollars an hour because he or she has unique insights that has de- that they've developed over you know many, many years. And that's where most people stop. And, and this is not a knock on getting to $1,000 an hour work. $1,000 work is a great, great, great life. You, are, you have a defensible career that you're um, monetizing um, you know, excess market rents um, through your expertise. And then there's this magical category of leverage, right? You know, I, I, I was emailing with someone else like, when, uh, when I go on Ali Abdal's YouTube channel, Up to 1.3 million people can see me. So developing a relationship with Ali Abdal, not a transactional one. That's not how we roll here. A genuine friendship of collaboration, of elevating each other is $10,000 work. For me, pitching journalists, getting in the Wall Street Journal. Chris and I were in the Wall Street Journal. That's $10,000 work. Like not many productivity writers can say they were featured in the Wall Street Journal, but that didn't just happen. That's some the cultivation of long-term relationship with journalists. So I assign my tasks, these values. I don't assign 10, 10 because if it doesn't have a tag, then it's by definition 10. And, and we all have to do all of these buckets. It's like a portfolio, right? If you only do 10K work, you're a dreamer who can't execute. And if you only do $10 work, you're the world's best execution machine with no ideas and no vision. So you need to find that portfolio that mixes appropriately for you based on phase of career, life ambition, skill set, work constraints or opportunities. And again, it's going to be different for everyone. There's no criticism. If you're early in your career, you are doing $10 and $100 work, but you should be doing 10K work by cultivating some interesting mentoring relationships right? You could be a 21-year-old doing 10K work. Now they say $10 work is the field mouse and 10K work is the svelte uh, antelope that could feed the entire pride of lions. So that's probably a natural stopping point. The, the next two sections are quite quick. Uh, so let's, let's stop there because there was a lot there.
0: Yeah, I just want to bow and clap for how much knowledge was compressed in a couple of slides. I mean, that, that that's productivity in a couple of slides right there. It's like getting away from the tools and the hacks. It's how do you decide what is worth doing? That's what it all comes back to. That's the way that you become more productive is doing the right things that are higher leverage, that are more in line with your energy, more in line with your values. Um, the metadata, I I think this is a place that maybe some people will say, oh man, now this sounds like work. This is like not really something I want to add. I mean, GTD is kind of notoriously heavy if you try to do everything. A lot of people get really excited. You know, the heavy lift up front, uh, first two weeks of the year, I'm going to work out for an hour a day and it falls off. Mm. And implicit to this is there's a maintenance cost in order to get the most out of this system that the the value of the metadata and again use what is most useful to you is that it allows you to decide very clearly what to do next a new pocket of time opens you find yourself in an unfamiliar context it's very obvious what should i do now and so you know m- my question is is a broad one um what recommendations do you give to your clients, to your students on how to minimize this maintenance cost to get the maximum out of this without yeah. without this continual lift? Yeah,
1: no, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, and and But it, let's distill it really simply, right? You're going to use very few due dates. So you're actually not adding a lot of due date metadata. Uh, I would say the biggest bang for your buck is low energy, high energy. Because to some extent it ropes in kind of high leverage strategic uh, work and you don't have to get too caught up in, you know, the technicalities of it. And and by the way, here's a really, I think this is a little inside baseball-y, but if you have something binary like uh, high energy and low energy, you don't have to tag the things that are low energy, right? If you just tag things as high energy, which is probably a sliver of your tasks, by definition, everything else is low energy. So think about the non-tag as a powerful tag, right? It, it's a little subtle, but um, but you don't have to tag a hundred percent of things, right? So low energy, high energy has tremendous bang for your buck because I think let's go back to the ten k flywheel, right? It it um, enforces behavior change, and the behavior change is I will I will know when I'm in a high energy mode and when I'm in a low energy mode. And once I know that, then I can start to restructure my day and to capitalize on those two to three hours of productive work. That's that's a big shift for people. Um, And Tasha, if you could drop in, there's a book called The Powerful Engagement by Tony Schwartz. Um, That's a great, great, uh, very unheralded book that, that really exposed me to this very simple idea that very, very few people talk about. Um, so that would say those are the, those are the two to, to give you good, good bang for your buck. If you work uh, at an organization where you have a lot of different stakeholders, uh, I would consider adding a few key people like your direct reports and maybe your boss, because there is some power to just cutting across, you know, lots of lists and being like, Hey, I need to talk to you about these six things.
0: The thing that I love uh, thank you, Kay. The thing I love about this 10K framework of yours is once you internalize this red pill of I could spend a few minutes working today if I'm doing the right thing and get more done in terms of expected value than a day that I just totally redline and work for 12 hours. And and so I, I think it's just so important that it's worth um, thinking about a little bit more how does someone go and identify what is that 10K work for them? How do, yeah. how do they
1: choose? Yep, yep. Again, it comes back to the self-awareness, right? that, that is The, 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 the 10, 10K work is a little bit like the four-hour work week, right? It, it's, you know it's a thing, but I can't spell it out for you because it's dependent on, on, um, your circumstances, your industry, you know, what you want, but, but let me give you some ways to try. Uh, the cool thing about, uh, one of the commonalities of 10 K work is it's one thousand dollar work, the bankruptcy lawyer, that's one-to-one work, right? The bankruptcy lawyer works for their client. 10 K work is one to many, right? So, instead of being the bankruptcy lawyer, what if you taught five of your associates the secret sauce that made you the best bankruptcy lawyer? Right? So a a very obvious one, if you work in teams, the most obvious 10 K activities are investing in your people, recruiting, training, retention, full stop. Uh, Now a lot of people that, that, we're in a world now where a lot of business owners don't really have big teams, uh, and so what are some other ones, right? Where you can, where can you um, leverage your audience, right? We talked about the Ali example, of this, right? And, and I don't think that that's that's just c- content creators like, like myself. I think it's um, establishing yourself um, as a thought leader. In whatever sliver of your industry where you can communicate in a one-to-many um, perspective, right? You and I, Chris, know so many people that just hunkered down into some quirky niche that they were passionate about and became a VC, or you know, started working for Patrick O'Shaughnessy, right? Like that. that there is, you know, if you can disseminate unique knowledge in a one-to-many fashion, that's a form of leverage. Um, I think about iconic colors, Tiffany, UPS, Home Depot, Christian Laboudin, Starbucks, brand design is a form of leverage, right? I I read those company names to you. You saw those colors so vividly. Think about that leverage. Again, not for everyone. But it's something I try to incorporate in in Rad Reads. There's a consistency to my colors. And once you see that consistency, you develop a sense of familiarity. And the familiarity makes you want to engage with it more if I'm doing it right. Again, that's not 10K work for me, but you could see the ethos behind it. Uh, Press, one to many. Interviews, journalists, huge, huge 10k leverage, uh, 10k leverage, uh, products, uh, Naval has a definition products that have a zero cost of replication eBooks, my online course, for example, the, the marginal cost for me to write, it's not zero for me to run an additional person, but a hundred to 200 students is not, uh, double the resources, the resource increases by 10%.
0: Those are some great examples. Thanks, and yeah, if there's one thing to take away from today, it's knowing it's that self awareness, being able to recognize these opportunities when they emerge, and having the confidence to prioritize them. Um, I think. I think one more question before we we move on to reflection. Uh, this one comes from Michael Lipsky. So,
1: what's I think up, Michael, the...
0: former former peer from the the hedge
1: fund industry. Um... We reconnected through the world of productivity about a year ago, and we did a lot of business together uh, six, six or seven, eight years ago. It's just Funny again, oh, running man. running into people in the hallways.
0: I love it, and yeah, I I love how you able to bring together people from all these different worlds in search of the same north star, of living a good life. I really admire that. Um, My- Michael's question is about areas and projects and essentially is like, when do you create a new project? You have mm-hmm. these tasks that come up. Some of them could be grouped together, but you know, a project adds a weight to it. Yeah. And there's, there's a, you have to, you have to process it. You have to add it into your planner. Um, do you have a threshold for when something reaches project status?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good question. Um, you know the the alternative would be to just kind of start overloading what's what what David Allen calls your single items list, right? Cuz that's kind of the catch-all list. And so you never want the single actions list to become a source of I mean the whole point of this is to reduce cognitive load. And so if your single action list starts having 15 items in it, and some of them are loosely grouped together, you start to get a little leakage on the single action list. So one way would be to try to, you don't want your catch all to catch too much because then that becomes taxing. So that's one indicator. Uh, And then you might see logical groupings emerge from there. Um, another would be, again, I think Mike, Michael knows this, but to really be clear, like, is there a deliverable, right? Um, there's not always a deliverable and an end date. And in that case, you know, there might be some things that are single action, some things that might live in domains and areas that, that kind of could be kind of split, uh, across those. Uh, and then the third thing is, I think a good rule of thumb for for, for a project would be like, I don't know, like four or five tasks. There's four, because if, if there's four or five tasks, they're using five, they're using five slots of your single action list. And if you want to keep that, you know, under 15, that's a third of the list already. So, um, you know, three, four, five, probably three is a little bit small, but probably four or five would be a good rule of thumb.
0: Yeah. No, and I think it ties back to awareness where, Hey, if you if your system isn't serving you, if it feels broken, you know, address that part first. Um, and that's where I like that portfolio metaphor that you use is you can, you can rebalance tasks, projects across these different buckets in a way that fits in with your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, cool. I think let's, uh, let's continue with uh, reflecting. Yeah. Let's blaze through reflect. Um, so I said no
1: due dates, right? And so how do you ensure that things don't fall through the crack, right? That's quite kind of a scary thought where, you know, 95% of your tasks don't have due dates. doesn't mean they're less important. So here's where the weekly review comes in. And like I joke, loved by many, executed by few. Fun fact, I did a pop-up weekly review workshop on Sunday just kind of like a lightweight event for the course promotion. I'll be honest, I was a little lazy. I was like, I could just talk about this instead of writing about it. 185 people RSVP'd for Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific, of which 75 people showed the second highest Zoom call I've ever had on Hosted. Uh, And so clearly the weekly review is something that people care about. So the weekly review is not, a journaling exercise, getting to inbox email zero, time audits, or fixing your existential angst. In the GTD sense of the word, it is really just like fine-tuning the machine that we have spent the past hour building together. And that means reviewing every project list, checking due dates, identifying next actions, we kind of glazed over that one, and updating the metadata when relevant. So... present you with another handy two by two matrix where there's execution and reflection on one end and backwards looking and forwards looking on the other end, talking just a little bit fast to respect everyone's time. The weekly review in the GTD sense of the term is not those three categories. It is really a planning and prioritization exercise. So what do you make, what do you do to ensure that it sticks? You have the biggest mistake with the weekly review is people jam things like you know what worked for me what didn't work for me you know did i love well like uh, how are my dreams going like those those are all really 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 important questions but they're not the weekly review in the GTD sense is fine tuning the car it is not deciding to buy an entirely new car in that moment so max it out at 25 minutes this the the great thing is that it really catches all you go through every project list so that's how you could say, like, okay, not real. That's how you can gut check yourself, like Spanish lessons with my daughter. Okay, we're getting closer to that moment. I've seen this on two reviews, like, you know, shit or get off the pot, right? Um, you start to really, you have to do that kind of tri- It's another layer of triage, right? Uh, that, that takes place on a weekly basis. I'm not going to spend some time here. You could rewatch it, uh, but these are, this is, this looks like a lot, but this takes like five, five or seven minutes. It's very functional. Just kind of going through lists, assigning things um, very, very pragmatic. And like I said, don't ignore these questions. What worked? Did I advance my big Harry Audacious goal? Was I effective in how I spent my time? Don't ignore those questions, but they're not all part of this, one mega Omnibus weekly review because you will never do it. You will never do it. So again, find other moments to inject this. They might, some of these questions don't need to be answered weekly. Um, So we'll do Engage really quickly, but basically the way Engage works is that you have a bunch of different tags now and you can create all these different views. You could create your low energy view. You you could do your call list. You could look at the next action to advance every tag. Again, it's gonna depend on what system you use. Some GTD dedicated systems, OmniFocus things really lend themselves to this because the language is already codified in the software. And others are, uh, you might require a little bit more uh, manual labor uh, in kind of looking through your lists and being like, this is the next action or these are my low energy tasks. So that's, and we got one last step. So if you are new to all this, follow the turtle. Commit to two capture inboxes, use some simple lists, do that inbox clearing and do a weekly review of your lists. If you're on the rocket ship, you're familiar with a lot of this, but you're still struggling to implement, consider migrating to a dedicated app, Um, add some more context, energy 10K, Um, create more filters, incorporate voice capture. And again, if I go back to the flywheel, right? Here's the tool, here's the behavior change, and here's the self-awareness, specification of projects and areas. So lastly, this is where people get stuck. They fail, if you don't clear out your inbox, the whole system immediately breaks down because then you have to manage your inbox and your different tax lists. Infrequent reviews, we talked about that. GTD bankruptcy, I think because capture is so easy, you could just add, 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 add. Like part of the review is triaging, right? It it turns out my daughter doesn't want to learn Spanish lessons. Like why has this lingered on for five weeks? It's It's not a thing. Let's just cut it. Maybe we'll come back later. Capture Overload, we have a lot of capture device, podcast capture, YouTube capture, um, Slack message capture, not an easy one to fix. I mean, that is definitely a um, um, uh, some, some symbiotic of our times. Um, and again, this is not a personal man- knowledge management system, right? When you're co- collecting a list of restaurants you want to go to, that's not that wouldn't stay, it would temporarily come into GTD, but it would, it's eventually more of a resource. And there is a blurry line between what's a resource and what's a task. And I think that, you know, you can skew too much and have like a hundred book reading list in your GTD task manager. Like that's not the point of GTD, but again, that line becomes blurry. So with that, I thank you all. Um, if you want to uh, dig in deeper, um, that middle bullet point is, needs to be updated. But this, what we did today is like one ninth of the course. So imagine this for eight live sessions, building it in real time with a staff of 10 people to support you, office hours, Notion templates, and an incredible community. I think we have 114 students that are already um, um, going through chatting in the Slack community. So we would love to have you all. And I will stop my screen
0: share. Welcome back, man, that was, uh, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait to dig into, uh, into the full course. And yeah, I like that they're, it can meet you where you are. Uh, I, I would, looking at your turtle versus rocket ship, I'm probably much more in the turtle camp. Uh, I am always thinking about 80-20, and I think that there's so much value if you can stay consistent with those basic principles. You don't need to implement it all. And I think the approach with any system is, you know, what is working the most for me can I double down on that? Can I dig deeper? And what are the things that are not useful? Can I strip those away so I can stay consistent? So I'm investing um less time but getting more output. And so that that's what I love about this principles-based approach is it meets you where you are. It's very adaptable. Yeah.
1: And tool agnostic, right? Like you don't get, get stuck in, in in the system, right? It's actually. That's why I love, I'm so passionate about this is because you realize that it's, you know, we just jump into these tools like Notion and, and we're like, my tasks aren't happening or I'm stressed out. It's like, no, let's, let's zoom out and, and really think about what's fundamentally happening at every level. Where do we need those questions, right? The quality of your life is measured by the quality of your questions. Uh, and and, and then, then use the tool as the jet fuel. Not start with the tool. I mean, that's the that's the mistake with all this. We start with the tool, um, and really, we should be starting with the questions.
0: Do you have time? I have a couple couple more questions from yeah, the Q let's and do A. It. Yeah. So these these are a little more, more tactical, but I think things that are are, are very worth covering because they seem like common pitfalls that I've seen. Yeah. Um, so this question comes from Whitney. Uh, I find things get very chaotic in my inbox of tasks, but as soon as I put things in appropriate categories, the tasks have a tendency to get lost. Um, I feel like I need to prioritize tasks within their categories or projects, but so then the tasks are spread out. Um, do you have any any recommendations or mm. advice for how to surface these next actions? Yeah, It's a great, it's a great question,
1: Whitney. Um, I would say that a few, uh, uh, there's a few approaches. One, I I don't think this is the answer that you're looking for, but one of it is like, that's the, well, that's where the weekly review does come in because it provides the setup for the upcoming week and just the gut check of like, okay, did I, did I move the ball forward on, on this, 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 this has been here for a while. So that's one one element, but the other way is what I would. I mean, there. It, I like the prioritization. David Allen's actually against prioritization, so we we defer. We disagree on that component. Um, we've never met, but we can disagree in my head. Uh, but he. Um, but but what? That's why I like that. Whether you do high energy or whether you do 10k, on if you do your weekly review on Sunday or over the weekend, just map out five, like on Monday, I'll do this high leverage task. On Tuesday, I'll do this. So just like there's a, there's a little just like designing your week, right? Which is, again, the tool can help you a little bit to kind of get all the right tasks in the right places. But at the end of the day, right, if you have two to three good productive hours a day, you could probably do it from a piece of paper and memory of like what needs to happen. Making that happen is much more challenging, right? That's where the behavior change, the willpower, fighting the distraction, fighting Jim's email. Like, that's where all those fires come in. But I would say if you just lightly map out your week, look, the $10 and the $100 tasks will find you during the week. So fuck those. They'll, they'll find you. The 10K task is not going to find you, you have to find it. And you have to make it a priority, whether it's by eating that frog, defending that time zone violently, uh, and then executing on it and keeping yourself accountable um, that, that you did it. Again, behavior change.
0: Yeah, that, that was, uh, I just wanted to underline, this is something that I have seen, is that the most important thing we could be doing is not something that anyone else is asking for us for. It completely lives in our head. It's completely optional. No one will know if we do it. And that's why it's so important to have this time where we step outside and think about what could move us closer to our goal the fastest. Because if we depend on other people's priorities to push our own forward, we're going to have a bad time. Um, This question comes from Farzana. Um, So watching your presentation, you see you have personal tasks in there, you have hobbies, you have kids, area responsibility, you have professional career. Arsana's question is, um, would you have multiple GTD lists for these different hats? Um, or if not, how do you stop yourself from getting overwhelmed um, when mm. you have personal, professional, home areas all in one place?
1: Yeah, it's... it's um it's a, good, it, it, it's, a, it's a good question because GTD overwhelm, which leads to GTD bankruptcy, is one of the most common kind of critiques. It's too easy to add stuff. That's the problem with this system. Uh, and if you don't prune, you just end up with a messy, messy um, garden. So I would say that the, the good thing, um, I believe it's Farzan, the good thing about this is that once a task is out of your inbox and into a project list, you don't ever really see it unless you go look for it, right? And so what do I mean by that, right? Let's say that you have a series of things that you wanna accomplish related to a new product launch. You would see them by either going to the new product launch project, or on your weekly review, when you review the new product launch list, or when you create filters, right? And so this is where the tool starts to, to, this is where the tool adds jet fuel, because the, 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 the right tool can then say, okay, I'm in work mode. Show me all work tasks that have an upcoming due date, a real one, or that require high energy. Uh, or that are 10k. And so that might be the list that you start every workday with. On Saturday morning, you might say, you know I want to get some stuff done across the house. You could have a uh, you could just pull up your your um, home areas, right? Same similar example of the call list, right? Like end of the, you might be in in your red zone. Your job might be to make phone calls when you're low energy. So you again, pull up that perspective, that tag that says only show me all the phone calls I need to make. And it can be more specific. Only show me all the phone calls I need to make that live in a project that's related to my work. And again, that's going to depend, you know, most to most like true test. Like you can do that. To an extent, with Todoist, you can definitely do it with Things Three and OmniFocus. Some some of the more built out, and you could build the mechanism itself in Notion. You know, you could build any of that customization. So again, it's really then going to depend on your level of like how much do you want to build or how much do you want turnkey off the shelf. But I, I always, even though I teach a system in Notion, I always say that for most people, like Todoist is a fantastic. It's simple. It works. It's fast. It's cheap. Uh, it's well designed. Like you could, you could clear the eighty twenty with ample room to spare um, on anything we talked about today using Todoist.
0: Last question. Uh, yes. Hey, our last lunch hour conversation: uh, systems for living the good life. Something you said has really really stuck with me and selfishly i want to ask it again in this gtd context so you said that your definition of wealth was to never be rushed to always feel like you have an abundance of time that you can be intentional about what you do that you're not stressed you're not creating deadlines for the sake of creating deadlines that this was something your your continual north star And so we talked a a little bit at the outset about getting away from reactivity. You have your 10K framework, recognizing the few things that actually do matter and prioritizing those. How does your getting things done system create wealth for you?
1: Mm. Well, I'm in launch mode, so I've been feeling a little bit more rushed. So even though my bank account is slightly higher, my net wealth is lower, Um, but that's just a blip. Um, so how does it, you know, the, one of my favorite definitions of love is, um, is the fullness of presence, right? Like, like Chris, like, I love you, man. Like, I, and I want to give you, we are here together for an hour and a half, and I want to give you and everyone else my unwavering presence. And when I am with my girls or my wife, I want to give them my unwavering presence, my love. When I am sitting in the ocean, just chilling, I, want, I don't want to be uh mind like fire, right? I want to be mind like water in the water. I don't want to be like, oh, did I send Chris? Did the dial in? Did, um, do you, did we do this link thing correctly? No. I want my love for nature my love for ocean to be fully reflected in my presence in the moment. And GTD to me is it, it doesn't fully give me the gift of presence, but it removes so many of the obstacles of presence. Um, and, and I think, and so, so to answer your question um, that. That presence, which by definition, if you're fully present, you're not rushed, right? Because you're not actually thinking about the present. uh, You're not thinking about the future or the past. You're actually in that moment. Um, And again, please don't take away from this that I am living in that state continuously. I am not. Um, My blood pressure readings and my heart rate would would be very clear to you that uh, I am not fully living in that state. Uh, but it's aspirational and, um, and it gets, I get a little bit closer to it every day. I'll give you an example in my, in this launch, which is the, has been the most successful launch and the biggest, uh, I, the proudest thing I did was I shut down my laptop at seven 30 every night. The last launch I was up till like midnight. So that is a sign. That is a sign of wealth. That much more than whatever marginal dollar comes in. The fact that I was able to shut my laptop at seven o'clock and go back to just being a dad, somewhat distracted, but you know, um, I was there. That was that. The systems that that I've built that are heavily, heavily inspired by David Allen uh, have enabled me to do things like that.
0: Oh, man, I love that. I love that. Yeah, if I could riff, uh, these, these things already live within us. We already embody them, happiness, fulfillment, presence, love. And all we're trying to do is remove the barriers from realizing our, the perfection that is already there, relaxing into it, removing the friction removing the sources that pull us away from that. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. Yay, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sticking um, around. Uh, I my mean, pleasure. Like I said, I, I don't think I've seen a couple of uh, PowerPoint slides that had uh, more, uh, more wisdom compacted into it. So <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for preparing a wonderful presentation, for sharing your brain and your heart with us today. We'd love to have you back on here at some point K to dig into the 10 K stuff. And, uh, until next time, guys, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thank you, Chris and Tasha. This was so fun.
0: Thank you for listening to the forcing function hour at forcing function. We teach performance architecture. We work with a select group of 12 executives and investors to teach them how to multiply their output, perform at their peak and design a life of freedom and purpose. Make sure to subscribe to Forcing Function Hour for more great episodes or go to forcingfunctionhour.com to sign up for our newsletter so you can join us live.